Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Once again, welcome to a Heard That production of Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my right, I got Brian Southworth from Wired Training. To our far left, we have Marin Angus Combs from Hell Varsity Behind the Plate Podcast. You can check her out. And of course, we have our very own Nebraska Cornhusker, Jordy Ball. Jordy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? <sighs> Thanks. I'm good. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people don't understand when it comes to someone that is at such a high level, whether it's a mental game, whether it is a physical game, whether it's the things that you miss in life, the things that you get to do in life that's different than others. What I like about you and what you show a lot of people in this area is just how to be yourself. There's nothing else that there isn't like a persona. There's nothing you're trying to live up to. You're Jordy Ball every day, all day. Obviously, your favorite sport, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. When you were a young kid, was softball always that favorite sport? Um, honestly, it depended on the season. I played basketball growing up, and I always dreaded it until it was here, and then I loved it. Um, and then I sometimes dreaded softball when it was coming, but then I loved it. So I did a lot of different things. And when you say basketball, obviously, in your family, and the ball family, if you don't know, basketball is a big sport. Who is the best basketball player amongst the kids? I, I don't know. My oldest brother, Hayden, was really good, and he can still take it to Bryson sometimes. But now Bryson is still the only basketball player left in the family. So All right. And of, him. of course, your competitiveness comes from that family. Who's the fastest ball? <sighs> Man, honestly, I used to think it was me. And then during COVID, I got in a huge argument with my brother one time because he thought he was faster. And so we raced and he was. Um, so I'm going to have to say Broden. Oh, yeah. the younger one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's never easy to lose when you're such a competitor at yourself. What is the first time you remember stepping on the diamond? Um, I don't know. I think the memories of being on the diamond go far back to T-ball. So I can't remember really vivid things about that. But um, I just kind of always grew up around it because my older brother played baseball. And so I was probably at his games a lot of the time. And that's what got me into wanting to play. Well, and you, when you say baseball, did you ever think as a young girl, I do see sometimes they want to play the baseball or mm -hmm. they want to play football. Was that ever a part of your time? Um, I would say I wanted to play with my friends. And so they were all doing softball as well. And so softball is what I wanted to do because that's what I saw, um, women playing when when I was younger that I looked up to. Now, Marin, she said a very important point about multi-sports. Loved it when it was in season. Loved it when it's out of season. What do you think these athletes slowly obtain through their process to understand what sport they really want to play when they're having those kind of mixed emotions, what's good and what they really want to do? Yeah, I think I, I was the same way. I played multiple sports growing up and I, I played basketball, hated it when, uh, <laughs> when it was not in season. But I think it's just important that like the younger generation, these younger kids, I feel like they're being forced to really focus in on one sport right now. And we're seeing it like year round training. Right. And some of them are getting burnt out too quickly. So I think it's just important to know that you can play multiple sports and you can be great at multiple sports and you really don't have to decide until later in life on, on which one you really want to go for. Or you can be like, uh, there's a Nebraska commit who's going to play basketball and softball at Nebraska. So you can do both. And, uh, but it's hard to find those schools, right? Oh, like absolutely. you can't, you really got to be good to play both. We have uh, Jalen Lloyd from uh, downtown. That's going to go to the Huskers, be football and track to be great at two sports. I mean, growing up was, were you want considered one of the best basketball players that you were playing with, or was it something that you kind of loved to do, but weren't? Um, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't think I was like one of the greatest, like in the class in the state, you know, nothing like that. Um, but I kind of decided to start specializing in softball. I played my freshman year in high school. And then after that, um, it was, I was going to my pitching workouts after basketball practice, already tired, worn down, and I wasn't getting good workouts. Um, and so after my freshman year, it was when I decided to just do softball because I knew it was going to need majority of my time and my, healthiest, most energized self to give to it every day if I really wanted to start to see climbs. Well, and you brought up a great point when it comes to the extra training. Brian, obviously at, at Wired Training, that's what you guys work on. You see some of these athletes come from a high school level, even down to the middle school elementary. If someone decides as a freshman that they want to consider one sport, how, what's your guidance on that or how do you do it as a trainer? Yeah, I think about the freshman year is probably about the time that you're going you're gonna to have to make a decision or you're going to fall behind. You know, I mean, if you're playing multiple sports all year round, you're playing basketball, that's going to take away time from the gym, lifting, you know. And, and when you're training and you want to throw hard or, or throw good, if, if you're tired after basketball, you're not going in there 100%. And when you want to learn how to throw as hard as like Jordy does or someone does, you're going to have to train it 100% all the time. So I think, you know, if you try to mix a, a bunch of sports like later on in high school, I think it gets really hard. But it still can happen. Now, obviously, you chose softball. What was that decision, and what what really spiked your way to go to softball? Um, as I had gotten older, um, softball had kind of started to become my first love, and honestly, I saw a future in it. And so I wanted to expand on that and really commit to it and see really how far I could go with it. Now, you're in a household full of athletes. I have four kids. Mm -hmm. They did nothing but always at sports. It's hard to really dedicate how did you feel that demeanor came from your parents when it came to multiple sports, multiple kids doing multiple things? Um, they always wanted to support us in whatever we wanted to do. They wanted us to be well-rounded people. Um, but then also when me and my siblings came to them and we were serious, like, hey, like this is a sport I want to do. I have dreams of playing at a really high level. Um, they weren't at that point still trying to pressure us to keep doing all these different things. They respected the fact that we wanted to um, t like hone in on this one sport and really work on it. Um, and so then they were on board for that as well. Well, as a freshman, you brought it in. That's when you really started finding the love. Marin, what is one thing that you know when she decided this freshman life and she decided that there's offers out there and things start to get real when it comes to college and high school? What, what, what do you feel? Obviously, we know that she originally committed to Nebraska, right? I feel like I have this unique perspective on your career because I was there like basically around the moment that you decommitted from Nebraska and we were in Colorado and uh you were playing for iowa Premier, mm -hmm. and um i just remember that time so vividly because i was that that time it was crazy i i know it was crazy from a journalist perspective but like for you it had to be insane because every game she played in just the the number of college coaches just around just watching her was i mean it was the who's who of college softball and um so knowing that that journey led you to that point, I just, I, I didn't know you before then. And I just was like, man, this kid has got it. Like she had a home run so far in Colorado. Like, I don't know <laughs> if it's landed yet. And I mean, your first two years, you didn't even hit like, so that's the one thing that stood out to me. And I'm just, I, I just feel lucky to watch you. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of people out here, like, you know, we, we grow up watching college softball. I mean, these girls are growing up watching college softball and, and you're their, you're their Lisa Fernandez. And who was your, who was your, your one that you loved watching growing up that young? You know, when I was young growing up and playing softball, it was really only on TV during the world series. There was like pretty much one time a year we could turn on the TV and watch it. Um, I grew up like idolizing Papio softball players, <laughs> a girl that I vividly remember. I went up to her at a high school football game and asked for, and asked for her autograph was uh, Gina Metzler. And so um, for me, it was more like the high school level, which I think is really cool. Um, but also I think it's just so cool now to see how much the game has grown. Well, and when you bring up the high school level, obviously 
the Papio Monarchs, they, they put kids into colleges. They put them in the direct path of where they want to be. We've had Courtney Wallace. We've had Peaches James go to Nebraska. They've done great things. Obviously, you, you had to make an early decision to say that you wanted to commit to Nebraska, but then you also had to make a decision that was not based off of your fans, not based off of me, Brian, or anybody that can influence you. It's a self-decision. What all went into that process? Because I, I, I really don't think people understand the whole aspect of I'm making a decision for me. Social media will eat you up. Reporters will eat you up. And, and you've, I don't know how you have the mentality that you do because it's above your age level. I mean, it is just out the wall. How does that, what do you remember of that process? Well, I remember not even attending one day of high school yet, and there's already the pressure to make the decision for what you want to do in college, which is over four years away at that point. And now there's a rule in place, so coaches cannot talk to kids until September 1st of their junior year. And I think that is a really great rule because at that point, I'm like, how is a 14-year-old making a decision for college? Um at that time, like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, it was the very first visit I ever took and I committed on the visit. Um, it was the hometown school and I was fired up and excited to make that decision. Um, and then however many years later, I'm 16 years old and I never really had a recruiting process. I never really took any other visits or anything. So that was all kind of going through my head. Um, and then again, just the pressure, like I was 14, like, is that really what I want to do? I don't know. Well, and um, you probably got people around you going, Gordy, come on, you could go anywhere. You could go in, <laughs> you could go here, you could go there. So like just lining into those pressures and that, I mean, how do you, how do you, I would say almost have to ghost those out of your mind. Like you have to almost not even listen and really look at yourself. I think you have to lean on the people in your life that would care about you and want the best for you, whether you touched a softball again or not. And for me, that was my immediate family. That was my parents. That was my brothers. Um, the people that I knew were always going to have my back no matter what. And that truly knew me for who I was as an individual person, not just as a softball player. Um, cause they're two completely separate things. And so I really leaned on them. Um, I knew that they were going to be honest with me about everything. And so just listen to those people. So of course we have a couple softball teams here. A lot of girls that love watching you play, but sometimes they don't understand the dedication that you've had to go through in high school. Let's just go through a high school week. What is it like for Jordy ball? between practice with team, practice with high school, practice yourself. I mean, because if you think that you're going to get it from just your coaches in high school, we have to be reality, right? We have to let these kids know that you've got to put in something that no one's going to tell Jordy Ball, go do this. Didn't I'm pretty sure mom and dad didn't hold your <laughs> hand and say, come on, Jordy, let's go play ball, <laughs> right? What, what's that like? Yeah, there definitely reaches an age where your parents are not going to be able to make you do things. Um, it's on you to it, – it's in your hands. Um, I would say in high school, I probably didn't have the normal high school experience. And if that's what you want um, – then it's just going to look a little bit different. But honestly, I didn't go out on the weekends. I didn't really have a friend group that I ran around with a lot. I was really the closest with my siblings, and I still am to this day. They're like my best friends. But, yeah, like you said, um, it, it wasn't staying out late on the weekends. It was getting good sleep. It was attending practices, attending lessons, and then in between all of those things, putting in work on my own. So the next time I went to a lesson, we could work on something new. Um and so most of the work that goes into it is work that's, I guess, quote unquote, unstructured. It's not with your coach and your teammates. It's not with your pitching coach or your hitting coach. It's by yourself. And so, um, like I said, that's majority of it. And that's what a lot of people don't see. But that's also in your, quote unquote, free time. So um, you have to just make it a priority. Well, and I'm glad she brought up some things of on her own. Brian, you run the Wired Training Center. And I know that you got cameras. You see the kids. What does it mean to you when you see kids just showing up and doing what they do without you there, without parents there? Obviously, it's, it's an atmosphere that has to be set at the facility as well, that this is an option you can have, but you've got to make the option. I'm not going to say, come on, come, come, come pitch with me. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's, there's definitely 
two different types of people. There's someone like Jordy that is, is going to be there every day and, and work on their own. And then some people that think they want to do that because if you want to be as good as Jordy, you don't have a lot of choices, right? I think Nick Saban said it the best. It's like, you know, teenagers think they have the illusion of choice, right? Oh but, yeah. But when it comes down to it, like if you want to be the best, you don't have a lot of choices, right? Like you're going to have to do this every single day. It, it takes what it takes. And um, it's <laughs> fun to watch. You, you said the biggest thing of choices, obviously, Marin, you, you see a lot of softball players. You can't influence all of them, but obviously you're, you're just seeing little twerks here and there when, when it sees to some of the choices being someone that who reports it, how, like, are you one that tries to want to help sometimes with some of the decisions that he, I mean, cause you also coach Nebraska at gold, right? Yeah, that that's a new thing. Um, so I coach high school and uh, 16 and under Nebraska gold team. And uh, I definitely there's there are some girls that are just they have something different in them. Right. They're they're the ones that are willing to put in the extra work. They're willing to, you know, go pitch in a tunnel at whatever facility without a catcher. Right. And you're just you've got a bucket of balls and you're throwing into a net. I mean, that, I think that that's when, you know, there's something different about the kid and you just have to, you have to watch that and enjoy the ride. Well, and when, you talk about a ride, Jordy, you did a lot of traveling growing up in your high school career. What was one of the favorite things that you love to do on these trips? What's some of the things that, and obviously I know the, the family is what matters. The family's close, but you still have these girls that you got to bond with that are as competitive as yourself. I think that the best bonding you can do as a team is simply just going through the trenches together. So yeah, it was always fun to go travel and go out to team dinners together. That is great. And that's important, but the real bonds were made when you're grinding through the heat of the day. It might be your third day of the or third game of the day. And you're just trying to piece it together and finish strong. Um, but honestly, one of my favorite memories from that travel ball experience was going out of state to these big softball states wearing Nebraska across your chest and playing the California Batbusters, Texas Glory, the big name uh, clubs from big softball states and just giving them a game um, and competing with them. And it's because no one really was expecting anything from our team, um, but we showed up and we gave them what we had and that we gave them our best. And it was super fun because I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Well, yeah, I mean, we're just a corn state. We just grow corn. We don't play no sports. We've never seen a bat. Is that a ball? I don't even know what it is. So, of course, you're showing up. You're showing out to these things. You get that offer from Oklahoma. What is that? Like, how does that feel knowing that powerhouse? You've already had Nebraska in your back pocket. How does all these offers come together for you? And what what helps you make a decision like that? Man, um, I think it, again, just, well, a really big thing for me is that it was always important going out of state to represent Nebraska. Um, and so I think a really cool thing about that time was knowing that um, the same could be for any other girl from, from this state. Um, you're not, you don't have a ceiling set for you just because you're from here. Dream as big as you can and as big as you want to and work towards that because you're in the driver's seat. There's not a limit um, unless you put one on yourself. Um, but I think when it came to making that decision, again, it was listening to my inner circle, the people who are close to me, giving them what I was thinking, knowing that they would be honest with me. And then just listening to yourself and your heart and um, have an idea of what you want in each program and uh, try to make the decision that you think is going to be best for you as a player and a person. So when you, you commit to Nebraska early, right, 14, then you reopen your recruiting at 16. Obviously, Oklahoma came knocking, but were there other schools that you visited as well? Mm-mm. That was another situation where I took one visit. <laughs> <laughs> if that says anything about me as a person, I'm a little impulsive, but... <laughs> good you know it just it feels right I listen to my gut a lot of the time and I think that's good advice to give you girls too if something feels right and um, you want to trust your gut trust your gut but also listen to your gut when it doesn't feel right so and, and of course you go through with the Nebraska 18 gold you guys have a great team you go down to Florida win the championship right California yeah. California yep. you take that next level that next step of making a name for team Nebraska it's all across the chess Explain those mental things that you have to still battle because you're going against some of the top prospects in the country.
to be able to have a game like that at 18? Um, I think something that was so special about that team is that we did have a lot of talent and then we had pretty much everybody just buy into the team mentality and just knowing your role. Um, and so also just knowing that it wasn't always going to be perfect. I think one of the funnest things about that year is that we had our back against the wall a lot of the time. Um, and while that's a situation that that pressure is something sometimes people shy away from, you get better when you welcome that pressure um, because you have to be tested to know if you're there. And a lot of the times it doesn't go your way, but that's how you know, okay, back to the training room, back to the weight room, back to the pitching tunnel, back to the batting cages, and then want that test again. And so the next time it comes, see what the outcome is. If, if it's different, great. If it's not, back to work. Um, but yeah, we just felt that pressure a lot that year and it made us a lot better. And when you say back to work, what is your favorite thing that you work out and do and what's the least thing that you wish that you just didn't have to, but you know, the importance <laughs> of it. Um, okay. Weight room wise. I love lifting weights. I don't always love doing cardio, but it's important, <laughs> especially just going late into the summer. You guys, um, it, it, you get burnout if you're not prepared for it, just physically, like your body start to wear down, but it's important to keep that up. Um, but then pitching wise, a lot of the times it's just back to the basics. I think as a pitcher, you can get so caught up in, um, these, I don't know, random things like maybe wanting to work on this one pitch or, something mechanical but it really all comes back to the basics and you just have to go back to your foundation because a lot of the times like it's little mechanical things that will start to fall apart especially as you get later on in the season and you get more fatigued so it's just always back to the basics and when you think about the pitching in general who can you accredit some of your major transformations when it comes to your pitching game because I always tell people, no matter the job, no matter what it is, you'll catch a little influence from here. You'll catch a little influence from there. But now it's the Jordy Ball way. But before there, there's probably about maybe three, four. I don't know how many people kind of help build Jordy Ball in the pitching realm. Um, I've gone to the same pitching coach since I was seven, almost eight years old. And his name's Darren Dubsky. And he's always been in my corner. And it didn't matter if we're playing ball in California or if I'm down at college. Um, he's always a phone call away. And um, like I said, I've, I've seen him since I was like seven or eight. He's the only pitching coach I ever saw until college. Um, so I definitely credit him everything. Um, and also my dad, uh, he caught me numerous times, numerous times. We butted heads a lot, <laughs> um, but I thank him for all of it. And whether it was in the basement of our house or at a tunnel right after school um, or at a field somewhere, um, it takes a village and it's easy to point the thumb at yourself and say, look what I did. But without him being willing to put in the time that I wanted to put in for him, like when he caught me um, taking me to lessons, paying for lessons um, without Darren always being a phone call away and just willing to help me out through whatever trials I was going through. I mean, I'm not here. Um, it definitely takes a village and my teammates and my catchers. Uh, it, it takes a lot of people. So, of course, Brian, you haven't had where you were helping Jordy in this process, but obviously you see athletes that go through this process and you see how how they can become dedicated. What is it like to hear, like, obviously she felt dedicated to one person at a young age and being able to still continue to take those uh, things to get better. Obviously, you have some pitchers that have been through high school, college, JUCO, all the routes, but it's all about consistency, right? That they continue to want to learn, not just think that they know. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, the trend you see in the best is they're trying to learn something every day. Um, you know, I mean, gosh, I have a pitcher with the Yankees right now and he just got into pro ball and they literally have a classroom session every single day for the pitchers. I mean, they are trying to teach them all the time, learn, learn, learn and get better. So definitely a trend that, that you see with the better athletes. I mean, they're always trying to get that 1% better every day. You said classroom. What is that like in college life compared to high school life when it comes to not just grades, but also for the sport? Like learning? Yeah, like learning. Yeah, I mean, do you guys have like obviously um, coaches meetings, stuff where you guys actually review what tendencies you're seeing in the in the batters? Oh, yeah, we, we actually do have a team classroom, but we spent a lot of time in there, whether it was, okay, how are we going to hit this pitcher or what's the game plan for this hitter? Um, 
the film is insane. It's like nothing I ever did until getting to college. So it's crazy. It's like, I, I look back now at all the years of summer ball and I'm like, how did I pitch to these teams without knowing a scouting report for all these hitters? <laughs> it's crazy, but it's next level. Now, now, do you feel, does it make you comfortable or sometimes does it also make you where you overthink sometimes because yeah. of those tendencies? There's definitely, there's a happy medium to where sometimes I feel like I overanalyze and then I'm not like thinking right in the game. I'm thinking too much about those kind of things and not being competitive enough. Um, but then there's other times where it, maybe I should have done a little more homework on a hitter and known like, yeah, that's right where their uh, barrel path goes. But yeah, definitely a happy medium. I mean, you're going into a weekend series. Like, mm -hmm. how many hours do you spend in the classroom, like, preparing for a weekend series? I mean, ideally, I mean, you're going to pitch on two of those days, ideally, maybe three, right? So those hitters are going to see you six to nine times or so, like, over a weekend. Mm -hmm. How do you combat that and prepare for that? I would say um, probably, let's see, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday. I would say we watch film maybe three out of those days leading up to it. So a um, couple of those days, it's probably for an hour and then maybe 30 minutes on one of those days. But um, that's just as a team, like girls will watch film by themselves too at home. So say that louder. I, I don't think they heard you. <laughs> they did not say, did you say uh, alone, alone, right? It's okay to be alone yeah. and you do the studying? Yeah. Oh, you don't have to be told? No. Okay. All right. I just want to make – there's a lot of girls here looking up to you, so that <laughs> that word alone is hard to do when you're a team sports player. So we're talking about you watching film on, on your opponent, but there's the other side of it, right? Because your opponent is watching your film. Mm -hmm. So in, in today's day and age, the technology, the, the amount of scouting that can be done, um, how do you have to prepare to – you know, not, not be doing the same thing year to year. Yeah, that is a very good point. And I think I really felt that this sophomore season, because now there's a whole year of film and how I attack hitters, that's all out there. And that is right at all these teams fingertips. And so I think just as a pitcher, you need to be able to throw whatever pitch and whatever count and um, kind of have that approach. It's not like, oh, what's your strikeout pitch, rise ball? No, it should be all of them. Be comfortable throwing your changeup in a full count or for strike one. Um, I think that just keeps hitters on their feet when you have multiple ways to attack them. It's not like you have to pitch to their weakness, um, but you get a pitch to your strengths all the time because you have multiple. Well, with multiple pitches, obviously the arm – is an issue. What's some of the strength stuff you have to do to prepare an arm? I'm going to be honest. When I first watched softball many years ago, I'm like, how are these girls pitching so much? <laughs> and then boys pitch and they get to 40 and coaches are like, no, pull, pull them. They get to 116 and you're like, this guy's crazy. What's going on here? How does that go for softball? Because I know the angle's different. I know the way that it's pitched is different. But, I mean, it still don't make sense to throw 100 and some odd softballs. Yeah, so just naturally on the body, the underhand motion of the arm is it's much more natural than overhand. Um, and so, I mean, it might not look more natural all the time, but it is on the shoulder. Um, so I, I do a lot of, like, forearm strengthening stuff because you just got to spin the ball a lot. And then a lot of, like, back, scap like shoulders, um, not a lot of bicep curls really, but everything just that supports the arm because the arm, the muscles have to be able to just handle it. All right. Favorite pitch to pitch, the one you hate to throw. <laughs> well, kind of like I said, I mean, it, I mean, it I know you have the them all, but there's gotta no, be, I only have three. And that's another thing is, um, you really only need a few good pitches. I think sometimes girls think they need like five or six different pitches, but just have a few that you can really feel confident in because to, your, to answer your question, um, it depends on the day, but truthfully, all of them, like whether it's my drop ball, my rise ball, my change up, um, I'm just super comfortable throwing any of them. So, man, that like, I just, I thought maybe the angle or maybe the like, you know, after like seven drop balls, my wrist just hurts. But if it's all the same and it all gets there, obviously yeah. you go off to college. Everybody sees you on all the limelight. How do you mentally prepare yourself for interviews, for being the person that knowing that they're going to come to you? What all like, I mean, because I'm going to tell you from the College World Series interview and 
you were you were it was like a 38 year old person there talking to this lady <laughs> like in the moment just won the biggest game just did everything that people wish hope and want to do and there was no pause in your answers there was no like like the face was just nice and calm how do you do those type of things i think a big part of it is just about staying true to yourself um because that's going to be the easiest thing to do is just speak from the heart um, stay super humble. Just know that your success never just happens by yourself. Um, it takes a lot of people. And so when you remember that, um, you can never really get too high. It's just kind of living in this middle state. Um, and yeah, that's, I would just say, speak from the heart and just have perspective. You make a big decision. Social media world goes crazy. Everybody goes crazy. Talk about those moments and how you can keep composure when it comes to social media. I, I don't I don't have to lie. My kids, they didn't get it till they graduated just because social media can beat up on these kids. They see, they want, they want to do, they want to go do this. They see, oh, this person's got a boat. This person's got this. I want it. How do you get reality out of it? Um, I would just say from that perspective, just know that everyone puts their best out there. Um, and that's something that I think our society struggles with a lot nowadays is you see social media and you can play the comparison game a lot. Um, but just know everyone's putting their best foot forward. You're, that's not reality. Reality is not all sunshine and rainbows. And then just to, just also know that a lot of people are going to hide behind a screen and say stuff about you that they wouldn't probably say to your face. But that's where you just have to be able to put your phone down, turn your notifications off. And like I've already said before, surround yourself with the people that you know will care about you no matter what. Like they're your ride or dies. Um, and that's what I do. I spend the most time around my family, around my closest friends that have been there for me for a long time and uh, my brothers. So your brothers help keep you grounded, mm, but oh, obviously yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be a competition and grounded. What's the number one sport you guys play as a family and do to kind of just relax and live in the moments with them? Um, our backyard is a wiffle ball field, <laughs> not like actually it's grass and we have trees planted, but each tree's like a base. So we have our own little field back there. Now, is it like oldest versus youngest? What, what's that atmosphere like? Or is it just everybody pick from a hat? No, we mix it up uh, pretty good. I have three brothers, so usually it's two and two. When the boyfriends and girlfriends are over, sometimes we get three on three. But <laughs> when we were younger, it would be dad was all-time pitcher, and then we would just go two and two. Mom would be an outfielder full -time. How competitive are these wiffle ball matches? I mean, I imagine there's some battles. Man, it, it used to get really nasty when we were younger. Um, I have this vivid memory one time. We were playing with an aluminum bat and like a real wiffle ball. So not a wiffle ball bat, like real wiffle ball, but we had an aluminum bat. And it was starting to get dark out. And my youngest brother was so mad at my oldest brother for something. I can't even remember what. But he, my oldest brother's walking back to the house and my youngest one just chucks the bat. It's flying through the air. Like, <laughs> it goes right past his head like he can hear it. But I mean, it's gotten legit uh, <laughs> so of course you know you, you you have all these accomplishments player of the year whether it's high school all the way up to college what's one that is the makes you the fondest of what work you have put in and dedication you have given to yourself i would I don't know. Um, the accomplishments have never been what's important to me. What's been important to me is always the team victories. And I've never been motivated by personal accolades. They just come along the way, I think, when you put your efforts towards the bigger purpose, which is the team. Um, so I would honestly have to say the team awards that have come along the way. Well, and I'm glad you said that because it is hard to be one that is considered so great but yet be so humble in yourself. And when people just want to explode what it is and you're just sitting there being calm, who help, who, who's the one that kind of put this and instilled this into you, this kind of passion to be that humble? Um, my parents, my brothers, and honestly, God, uh, my faith is super important to me. Um, and just knowing that he is the purpose um, for being here and he gave me this life and every day he lets me get up again and live another day. It's like that just puts so much in perspective and makes all of those, that noise and the accolades, it makes them so small. And when you look at life in general and you look at, at things you might've missed growing up, 
whether it was going to a social with friends. Is there anything that you might, I wouldn't say regret, because that's not a good word to use when you are passionate for what you do. But there's got to be something that you're like, man, I really wish I could have done this. Is there anything that you would say if, you know, to live in that moment for these young girls? Um, whether man. it's a homecoming, whether it's a foot. I mean, Friday nights aren't the same when you're playing the same time and you're <laughs> not getting the same. Now, Monarch softball is different. They get the support. They get the, the fans. Mm -hmm. But not every school's like that. Not every atmosphere is like that to where you're like, man, I'm missing Friday night football, but I got my show. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, I miss the social settings. Um, but I also missed going to high school football games. But most of the time that was because my brother was playing and I didn't get to be there. And this is going to sound crazy because I know like not everyone's relationship with their siblings is great all the time. But I would say really cherish those siblings and those things, because honestly, that's what I miss. A lot of the times I was traveling and gone during the summer and my brothers were playing somewhere else and I couldn't be there to watch them all the time. Um, but I would say things like that and just nights at home with the dogs and, um, just the small moments, the like simple that. life, the, sim the, the simple, the simple life, life. I'm big time, simple life. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And when you, when you speak of your brothers and, and them playing as well, obviously you're, a, you're a monarch, your younger brother. And I'm not sure about Hayden. I could be wrong. Was he a Titan he as was well? A monarch. Yep. Okay. So you went monarchs and now, uh, your younger brother's Titan. How does that go in the household? Because I could tell you on the streets, the Monarchs and Titans aren't on the same page. So how does that go in the in the household? Oh, it's just like fun competitiveness. Um, we always joked around back and forth, especially during the Monarch Titan football week. But it was all love all the time. We all knew if it never got like nasty to where we were like being serious. It was just fun. So what does mom and dad actually claim? <laughs> Both. They're absolutely. <laughs> do they scared. have like a half shirt? You know how some people do the half shirt, one half monarch. One I don't half know Titan? if they have the split shirt, but their closets were split. So <laughs> made half, half. Made sure distance. Brian, obviously, you guys just won some games. Explain how even nine year old boys see a name like Jordy Ball. Like, what is that atmosphere like? to just see from a distance. Obviously, she's just there to watch a game and, and see it, but like sh the idea of what Jordy means to kids in Nebraska. Like it, it's it's mind-boggling. It's it's bigger than life. It's you know, and the reason why she came back to Nebraska. What is that like? I mean, I mean, you're just recently experiencing it. Yeah, no, I mean, she's got rock star status around here, <laughs> that's for sure. So, I mean, just this weekend, I know she uh was at one of our games and um, you know, people got to like notice she's there. And like, I mean, all these girls, like siblings, like look at her, like they just saw like Tom Cruise, right? Like <laughs> it's just like unreal celebrity status. I mean, it's pretty cool. And they all watch her compete. And, you know, I mean, we, we've talked to our baseball boys, like guys, like you like Jordy when you get up on the mound, <laughs> right? Like just turn into that competitor and, and go get it. So, so you're trying to, you got to really explain the competitor part. Cause if you see him up there underhanded, I don't know what else <laughs> to tell you. You might not have done the right thing. Marin, obviously you've been around a lot of athletes and, and you've seen a lot of people come and go. What does it mean for someone like Jordy to come back to the state? Obviously, being a member of the Nebraska Gold alumni, as many would say, what, what does that mean for a team that you're starting now to get into and in coaching? Yeah, so I'm still fairly new to the state of Nebraska. I, I moved here two years ago. So I, um, I learned, actually, I think it was regional weekend, and uh, we were playing in a tournament at Papio Landing, right? And uh, it, at the time, everyone was watching the Nebraska-Oklahoma State game, and and I say everyone because there were games going on, but I think there were more people in the stands watching their phone and cheering for Courtney. Mm -hmm. And that was a feeling that was different than anything I had ever witnessed because they were cheering for their own hometown kid. And I think that's the same feeling that, that we're getting now with Jordy coming home, right? Where it's, it's one of their own. And so I, I see something similar, and I think I know you don't believe in the ball effect, but it is <laughs> it is real, and it I mean to to see what's happening with Nebraska softball right now, just in general, like outselling there the wait list has already surpassed what the stadium can hold. So 
that to me is, it speaks volumes to what you've done for the sport, not just overall, but like just here, right? Because now that you're, you're going to be wearing red, I mean, we're going to be at Papillion Landing, you know, come time for regionals next year and everyone's watching Jordy, right? Yeah. So I think that's just, it's just so different. And I, I never really got that feeling. I, I moved here from Tennessee. I, I actually talked about this the other day. Like the pitcher for me growing up was Monica Abbott. And now granted, like it wasn't on TV then, right? We couldn't watch every game, but I still never felt like across the state of Tennessee, people were, you know, wanting to watch Monica Abbott pitch every single game. Right. But now we're, we're to the point where people are wanting to watch her pitch every single game. Well, the come home has happened. You're home. What is it to the kids that makes a difference for yourself? What is it to the atmosphere? I mean, you've been to a couple softball camps. You've been to, you know, you're, you're not afraid to talk. You're not afraid to mingle. You, for you, like you always say, you're always humble, so you're never afraid of it. What is it like now? knowing that they're that you're home because i'm going to tell you i i did see when i was out last week i did see some young girls in oklahoma softball hoodies and i'm like wondering are they going to switch this up <laughs> like they got to right i mean what other connection do they have to oklahoma softball than jordy ball now she's home are they going to switch what is that like the atmosphere um it's cool i've just absolutely loved getting to connect with um girls from around here uh at oklahoma it was awesome we had just a great outreach to softball players all across the country but it just means something different being able to personally connect with girls from back home because i used to be these girls um so it's been great now uh you know everybody's hoping and knowing you know obviously the pitching's going to be there what what's the biggest thing that you're looking forward to with being home and being a Husker? Um, just like team wise. Yeah. Yeah. They have a great team. Um, it's they're all they're They've been competitive. They have great bats, great defense. Um, they have returning pitchers that are great. I think it's going to be a really fun year. Um, just seeing how far we can go now being from Oklahoma to here. How does it feel now? 45 minutes to travel instead of, are you home more? Are you getting some more time to be with that family? That is so important. Yeah, I am. Um, it's, it's funny because whenever I would drive down to school at OU, I passed Lincoln like 45 minutes into my trip and I'm like, all right, here goes another five and a half hours. <laughs> um, so just knowing that like on a weekend, I'll be able to come up if the family's getting together to celebrate a birthday, I'll be able to catch some basketball games, some football games and watch my siblings. Like that I think is what is when the fall comes and it's really going to start to hit and sink in that I am not like a whole day's drive away from these things. I am 45 minutes up the road. Well, so. and if it's anything like I, I was for my oldest, she went to Lincoln. She just graduated. I was, I mean, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to come get you. Yeah. I'll come. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's so weird as a parent when you're willing to go even five hours mm -hmm. to go get them or even the 45 minutes that like without a hesitation, but like as a parent, that dedication is not always understood from the kids what does it mean the dedication that your parents have done for you and what and and how do you feel you're repaying them <laughs> in an in an effort and just by being Jordy Ball? Man, my parents have always had my back and it's been since day one. Um and I just remember my freshman year of college and my dad's a firefighter. He doesn't have the best work schedule to just take time off and come down for games when he wants. And my mom had just started a new job and didn't have a lot of vacation time piled up. So I honestly didn't see a lot of them during my first season. And even my second season that just wrapped up, it was kind of the same way. I got to see maybe a little bit more of them, but still not a lot. Um, and they've probably poured more into my career than anybody. And so I think it's just going to be really cool knowing that it's 45 minutes up the road. Um, they're going to get to watch me play a lot. My grandparents will get to watch me play a lot. My coaches that I've had since day one, like Darren, he'll be able to come up and watch some games. It's Not just, have to do those flights. <laughs> flights and all day long drives. It's just going to be really cool to see all of my family up there in the stands. Well, you know, the biggest thing, obviously, is we have a couple softball teams here. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've really shared the story to get to you where you are today, to give back to these kids, to give back to Nebraska, to welcome you to Nebraska. 
Um, I think we could open up a little bit, get a few questions from the girls, see what they have. And uh, uh, Cam, you got a mic for them? Any, any girls with questions? I see a couple. Don't be afraid. Oh, I knew she'd raise oh, her she's, hand. Your, she's the biggest fan in here. Yeah, the biggest fan in here. Um, we hear you. Don't worry. I have two. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so if you knew now, what, like, what, like, yeah, if you knew then what you know now, would you have originally committed to Nebraska? You know, I think everything happens for a reason, and I would not change these last two years for anything because moving away from home um, and having – the experiences I did, good and bad, it's going to be like that wherever you go. But um, you, I learned so much in these last two years, and there were so many things that happened that I don't think happened just for no reason. I think they happened for a purpose, to teach me lessons and everything. I would do it all the exact same way. <laughs> What's the second one? And my second one is, like, what was your stress level? Because, like, <laughs> as a 14-year-old, I can't even, like, imagine, like, committing somewhere. Yeah, I would say that the stress was insane, but at the same time, I was 14 and really didn't realize like what all was going on. <laughs> so um, I would say it was high because I'm like, I don't know anything about all the I'm talking to the college academic ad admissions people. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I haven't done a day of high school. Right. Can I pass the test first? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I even gonna be able to uh, get into college? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, but at the same time, it's like I, I, I was so unaware of so much. Um, so well, that I like helps. that you brought that up. Speaking of being a high school athlete, student athlete and a college student athlete, what, what, what's the biggest struggle on that? I would say just expecting perfection in all areas. Um, I feel like softball players in general are kind of perfectionists because there's always something to work on, whether it's your swing or your pitching, like it's a craft and failure is designed in the game. So it's guaranteed to happen. But if you expect perfection all the time on the field, and if you expect perfection all the time in the classroom, you're going to get so burnt out so fast. So you have to give yourself a little bit of grace um, and just know that if you're trying your best, you can't ask for anything else. Now, have you ever been so hard on yourself with the just the perfection that your parents have had to tell you, relax, <laughs> take yeah, a deep breath? There were a couple times after some chemistry tests this fall, I called them crying and they were like, just pass it, just pass it. <laughs> so because I tell I've told my wife before, I said, if you were to unfortunately pass, I don't know if I can deal with my youngest daughter because of that perfection, no matter, and we're not even yelling. We're not yelling. We're not mad. We're just, you're, you're upset. We're not, we're sitting here going, you're mm -hmm. good. Like you're good. And yeah. it, it's, how do you get over that part when you want that so bad and your parents are the calming voice, but you're still hard to obtain over that. It's, it's really tough, and I mean, it's easier to say than it is to do, but you just have to know, I think, just really buy into the fact that you're doing your best. It's like some days you might only be at 70 to 75%. Um, just give 100% of that. Um, and if you feel like you did that at the end of the day, you have to be content. I like that. Any other questions? Any other girls? Rowan right here. Um, is there someone, like, specific that you play for? Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say I play for a few things. One, I play for the younger girls. Um, I want to set a good example to them and let them know that they create the ceiling um, and to use your platform for what you believe in and use it for that. Also, I pray for or play for the Lord um, and give it all back to him because if I learned anything through my injury in my freshman year is that it can be gone like a snap of finger. Um, don't take anything for granted and just know that every day you just being healthy is a gift from him. Um, and so in giving all that back to him, I think that's another way to handle pressure is to just know that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's great to have success and pressure comes with success, but the success goes to him. And so, so does the pressure, if that makes sense. I like that you brought this injury up. What was the hardest mental battle that I just don't think people understand? I think you touched on it a little bit. The idea that you could be replaced. You're just, you were Jordy Ball and now you're Jordy Ball. Like, what was the hardest mental part of that? I would say just trying to chase getting back to where I was. 
Um, I would say I was physically healthy before I was mentally healthy from that injury. Um, and this entire fall, it was just, I was in a constant pursuit of getting to where I was trying to get back to my old self. Um, and I turned a corner when I realized why am I trying to get back to my old self? Because if I was trying to get back to my old self, then all of this adversity would be for absolutely nothing. Um, so that's when I started to take the approach of, I might only be at 70, 70% today, but I'm going to give a hundred percent of that. Um, and I'm just going to be true to who I am and be authentic to who I am and not try to be someone or something that I'm not. Um, and so I think just trying to be present in each day and give what I had each day, instead of focusing on where I used to be and trying to get back to there. Um, that was one of the hardest things to overcome. See, and I think, I think when it comes to injuries, um, you two have obviously seen athletes at any level go through in, 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 injuries, extremely sorry. I always see the hardest thing is people don't understand the mental part, the mental. What's some of the things that you kind of, I mean, you have some, even your pitchers that you're trying to get the fastest pitch out of them and you still got to try to get them to understand that we'll get you to the next spot, but you've got to go through this process. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, these these people love to compete, right, and play. And, and then you take that all away from them, they just don't know what to do. Um, and they got to start from square one. I mean, you know, if, if you get – You mean if I lose my voice, every I, I won't – I'm <laughs> trust me, I, I feel that. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, you get hurt. I mean, you got to relearn how to throw sometimes, right? I mean, like, I'm sure the, the first throw back, she's like, you know, from our injury, it's like, what's this going to feel like, right? Like, there's just that nerves and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of trust and – a lot, of, a lot of help along the way. We'll kind of get them back. But I, you're also, with your injury, in the moment, nobody knew what it was mm -hmm. except for you and, and your coaches and your team. Mm -hmm. But you're also recovering in the spotlight. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we're literally waiting for you to come back and pitch because we don't know what's wrong. And nobody's telling us what's wrong. And all of a sudden, when you come back from that injury, it's in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the biggest stage possible. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. I mean, if you can't see the reaction of the just her facial reaction by the moment you brought it's like it it almost relived like this. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead and speak on that moment. I mean, the mental, the physical, like those are just aspects that I just wish people understand that they're not alone in those in those situations. You have a strong support set, but what was, I mean, that moment hits you some way. Cause <laughs> I just laugh because it's funny. You said just coming back from an injury in Oklahoma city, but I was still very much injured at that point. Um, it really didn't start healing until after all of that. Um, but that was just part of, that was hard because I was not at a hundred percent at that point. Um, but more than ever, I was just trying to trust my defense. Um, and man, they showed up. Um, so yeah. Thank was, you, defense. Any yeah. other girls out there? Any other questions? Oh, we have one. Down we have here. one right down over here. Um, when did you like know you were gonna be a pitcher? Like, when did you go all in with pitching? Ooh, good um, one. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, like I said, I was seven or eight years old when I started working with Darren. And from day one, he kind of made me aware that this is going to take a lot of time. Um, I don't want our lesson to be the only time you throw every week. But the goal is that every time you come back, we can work on something new because you fixed it over the week. Um, and so I think right off the bat, he kind of made me very aware of what it was going to look like and how much it was going to take. And so I think that just commitment kind of happened around that age. Well, I like that you brought up an expectation. Mm -hmm. Expectations from some coaches, especially in the extra curricular activities. I just mean like the stuff outside of the your regular uh, softball coaches. It's always hard to find that trust and find that person that's going to hold you accountable. What was one thing that you remember for him holding you accountable to know that the next week you come to see him, he just doesn't want to see it? Because I know the way I... <clears throat> live myself. You catch me once. I get it. I'm mm -hmm. going to take that. I'm going to take that. But I promise you, you're not going to catch that same error the next time we talk about this. I would just say that um, it's kind of evident. It's like you show up and either you're still working on the same things and he asks you, how many times did you throw this week? And you're like, um, like once or like three times. And he actually like believes you, but, um, <laughs> 
the belief. It also, I think for him, it's just a focus type of thing. If you show up to a lesson and you are focused and you are locked in and he, he knows when that's the case, you're going to get that from him as well. But if you show up and you didn't look like you've been practicing all week, it looks like you hadn't probably touched a ball for a few days. And you're also kind of just not mentally in it when you're with him, you're going to get that from him. So, um, I think just, I mean, the physical piece and the mental piece are tied together as well. So he kind of is just really good at what he does, and he can see that. And did your parents hold that expectation, knowing what the coach had as well? Yeah, I mean, there were definitely times when I was young and I didn't want to pitch. And my dad was like, well, I mean, you're going to throw or we're not going to do pitching lessons anymore, you know, because it costs money. It's it's on them as well. So um, just knowing that my parents are also pouring into it, um, at the same time, they were like, and if we're not going to force you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to pitch anymore, you don't have to. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I, I want to pitch. I don't want to just quit. So they're putting the ultimatum down. <laughs> it, it's weird how different ultimatums throughout life. I mean, my, my youngest, fondest thing that I remember is my parents said, it's either smoke or a car. And I wanted a car. I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> when parents put those, those ultimatums on, you're kind of like, oh, what do I really want? Yeah. I know I, someone else here had a question. Anybody else at this table? We good? Any other girls? Biggest fan oh, over there. Yep. Oh, biggest fan. We might know our whole life story by the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry about this, but uh, <laughs> uh, how did you manage um, school and softball since like you would have practice after school and like how did you manage your homework in time? Yeah, I think it's just use your resources. Um, it's going to take just accountability of you to make a schedule and actually figure out before the day starts where you're going to have time for those things. Um, there might be some nights you need to have a late night or there were some mornings I got up really early and did my homework before the day even started so I could go to bed a little earlier. Um, but I, it's not going to be easy and I wouldn't expect it to be easy either. So just under, have an understanding of what it's going to take and just know it's going to be hard. But, um, if you commit to it and you use your tutors, if you set aside study time, it's definitely doable. As we talk about academics right now, what, what is your goal academically? What, what degree are you getting and what are you wanting to do with it? Yeah, so I'm not really sure what I want to do after college. I want to be a nurse, but I also like the idea of being a teacher, and I also like the idea of being a coach. So right now my major is um, human development and family science, and that has a lot of electives. So if I decide later on I want to go more the nursing route, I can plug in some science classes so I can qualify for an accelerated nursing program. Um, or if I want to go the teaching route, I can kind of plug in some of those classes. Um, and then that kind of just is leaving it open for now. Well, you have a wide variety of the wants or possibilities. What what leads you to those type of things? What's some of the, the characteristics or what's some of the things that make you want to do those things? Um, well, my dad is a paramedic, and so I just grew up around him um, helping people. And I have it just on my heart to want to help people and be of some kind of service when I am done playing softball. And obviously being a nurse um, would be a great way to do that. Um, but then also my mother just has the same exact heart for helping people. And she spent a lot of time in the classroom as well. She was a para for the longest time. Um, and I really just got to hear stories from her about how she would come home from work and felt like she had helped kids and just kind of given them love. And I think that would just be a really cool thing to do as well. And I've had a lot of great teachers in, in my family. So I think that's where those two things come from. So when they say greatness happens and things happen, there's legacies that are left. What's the legacy of Jordy Ball in high school? And what's the legacy that you're hoping to leave in college? Um, I, would, I think that the greatest thing I would hope to leave is um, to let girls know that they should just be themselves. And when I say that, um, I'm going to go to this tattoo I have on my wrist. So when I turned 18, I got this tattoo. It says GTN and it stands for give them nothing. And obviously from a competitor standpoint, that's pretty straightforward, right? But just in life, um, don't sacrifice who you are. Don't sacrifice your morals. Don't sacrifice your values, but stand firm in what you believe. Um, don't be easily swayed. Um, stand firm in those things and always stand up for what you believe is right. Um, and whether that is, um, I don't know, you all have your beliefs and, um, just make those the priority, make yourselves the priority. Um, and I would say if anything, don't change who you are as a person for anything. 
If you get something from mom and dad, what's the number one trait you get from dad? And what's the number one trait you get from mom? Hmm. They're sitting right there. So <laughs> answer carefully. I think nice and slow. I think I definitely get my heart just, I don't know, from my mom. Uh, she is a saint and she is just the most loving person I know. And love is her first answer to everything. Um, and I think I just get my willingness to want to serve and almost just my gritty side from my dad. Uh, I think that's that too. Why growing up, we kind of butted heads a lot, but I will also be the first one to tell you that he is my best friend. We just have this way of understanding each other. Um, so yeah. And when you look at your siblings, you obviously push each other to be better. Yep. What's the number one thing that you try to pass down to the younger ones? And what's the number one thing you took from Hayden? Um, the younger ones, I just want to pass down confidence and knowing that I fully believe in them and whatever they want to do, I think they're going to go do it. And from Hayden, I think I just admire him and want to be him in the way of just how um, – He's very just mature for his age. He is an old soul and he is just super wise. Um, and I go to him for a lot of advice. He's just so sound with everything. And I think I just want to have that just peace and presence um, that he does. What is the biggest thing that you're looking forward to? Did the parents get some seats? Obviously, she brought up there's a long list for seats. Did the Ball family get some seats for this <laughs> softball year because i mean if you didn't get them quick i don't know what you were gonna do hey. i mean what was it 30 seconds maybe everybody's on the waiting list everybody's <laughs> on the waiting list but i am hoping and have faith that it's important to coach Ravel that everybody who wants to come to our games can come to our games so i'm hoping that there's just going to be a way that everyone who wants to come can come there's some stuff in the works <laughs> okay all right and obviously <laughs> you you have a big interest in the softball world your sister has a playground down there named you know after family and yep. like this Jesus means place. something to you like just Absolutely. the fact that it's going to be packed not just with adults not with with older younger i mean the age range is going to be from toddlers babies all the way up because of having something for them to do and and being able to enjoy the atmosphere what does this mean to to see that it has now sold out. Yeah, I mean, it's so fun when, you know, Nebraska is good at sport. I mean, there's so much support around the community. And and I know, you know, with Jordy kind of leading the cause, they're going to be really good this year, and it's going to be a packed house every day. So it'll be fun. What do you think is going to be your biggest difference about coming to Nebraska that you didn't experience in Oklahoma? I think that the first time going out on the field and seeing Bowling Stadium packed with – diehard Nebraska fans and little girls that play around here, it's going to be a super emotional moment. And it was one thing to play in front of a sellout crowd at Oklahoma. Those fans are amazing and they support that school like no other. Um, but Nebraska does too. And these are my hometown people, the people that have been there since absolute day one. And it's going to be, I think an emotional moment. I think it's going to be special because I mean, Nebraska loves Jordy as a, a player, right? but they also love her as a person. And I think that's going to be just really special that maybe she just didn't have that same connection as, you know, Oklahoma coming in. But I mean, they like Jordy for Jordy and no Jordy. They've been following her forever. And I think that's going to bring a really unique aspect to the games this year. And, and obviously for, for your guys' team, is it harder to see like this aspect of it when, cause she said they really didn't get to watch a lot of softball unless it was certain times. How are you, how can you integrate? Obviously, I appreciate the coaches for canceling their practice and letting these young ladies come see someone they look up to. I mean, that's awesome. But, I mean, how do you try to enjoy the atmosphere that's being created and the give back, but it's still kind of hard? I think what we're seeing now, especially with travel ball, is that it's being worked around the collegiate season. I think, that, like, with Oklahoma City, with the Women's College World Series, it's very similar to the men's college world series where you have all of these youth tournaments going on around this, around the city. Right. And they're able, those young players are able to go watch games. They're able to, to be in that environment. And I think we're seeing more of that, right. We're seeing more and more of these opportunities come up, but as far as like encouraging the younger generation to watch softball, like 
every year there are more and more opportunities for them to watch. And I think just in Nebraska right now, I mean, I'm with Jordy going to the Huskers, but Omaha too. Omaha is coming off of their first. I know for baseball, they own the state. So I, I mean, like, and softball is doing pretty good as yeah, well. Yeah. And so for, you know, Omaha's coming off their, their first trip to the postseason. And it's just exciting to see the growth of the game in this area. And, and just, it's, it's just something so cool to be a part of. Now, Jordy, I'll get you out on this. Obviously you've said a lot. You said a lot of momentum things for these people to remember. What is the one thing that the Huskers are getting with Jordy Ball in 2024? Whatever I have to give. <laughs> but, right. Yeah, it's too, I don't know. That's I'm gonna just lay it all out. Yeah. What, everything and anything. Yeah. Supportive and all. Well, I appreciate everybody coming out. I appreciate your time. I appreciate my co-hosts here hanging out. I appreciate everybody that has came to the first live Wired Access podcast. There's nothing better than to un- just talk Huskers. I mean, that's what we live here for, right? That's what Hell Varsity means. That's what, <laughs> like, that is what's. I mean, look at the the hair on the arms is like up, like as if I'm saying go big red. <laughs> but I mean, before we get you out of here, we might as well do it right one time, right? Go. That's right. Wired Access Podcast, DJ K-Dub Omaha. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time. A Heard at Sports Network production.